This is Adita and Kashri back for another episode, except today we're going to be doing something a little bit different, and today we're going to be talking about um, the topic of femininity and its association with intelligence and how that's perceived in society. So just to start off, um, I want to talk a little bit about stereotypes and how a lot of them portray femininity and intelligence as mutually exclusive traits and really perpetuate the idea that highly feminine individuals lack intelligence. And it's seen a lot in like in media and in like pop culture, but that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Yeah, I think when it comes to people believing that femininity and intelligence can't coexist, I think that really just ties into a lot of people also associating femininity and womanhood with、um, superficiality and the concepts of such, like an emphasis on appearance and fashion and social status rather than like learning and. The capabilities of what you can learn.、Um, it's really interesting too, because if you ask someone, I feel if like, how would you define feminine? Most people will respond with things like nurturing,、um, emotional intelligence, and interpersonal skills, but would downplay its correlation with intellectual capacity. To add on to this, people, will, if you ask people to describe feminine, they'll say、uh, more superficial traits like oh, certain colors or certain fashion styles, but really there's. More to womanhood than just pink and clothes. And as we're talking about this and talking about highly feminine women,、um, one person that comes up to my head is Ellie Woods, who is a protagonist of Blue Bond. For all of you uncultured folks,、um, so at first glance, Ellie embodies many traits that are really unfairly associated with the quote-unquote bimbo stereotype. Because you see her, and she's fashionable, she's bubbly, and she's、um, seemingly focused on appearances. And in the beginning of the movie, her long-term boyfriend actually breaks up with her, saying that she isn't serious enough enough for his life. But what he doesn't see, and I feel like a lot of other people also don't see, is that Elle is a serious person. She's serious about her education. She's serious about serious about her fashion. She's serious about her friends. And about her her、um, sorority, who she is the president of, but in his eyes, all the bubbly personality and stereotypically girly things, and、um, her look and her hobbies leads him to believe that she isn't good enough for him, or she isn't、um, valuable enough. Yeah, and I think you know,、uh, like a lot of Elle's interests lie in you know、um, more feminine, quote unquote, feminine coded interests and hobbies. And that ties into a lot of these interests and hobbies, such as fashion, arts, caregiving, and more, often just being dismissed as less intellectually stimulating compared to "quote unquote" masculine coded activities. Like if you do this, it's not something that you're really utilizing for the betterment of learning and growth and opportunity. It's just oh, this is just a fun little thing that people do, and it's just silly and all. It's often trivialized in that sense. That is so true. And just going back to、um, Elle Woods for a second,、um, when she decides to apply herself as a quote-unquote serious person, she ends up just getting into law school. Law school, in fact, Harvard Law School. And most people 
um, including her friends and her um, now ex-boyfriend, just dismiss her and they're just like, oh, like, are you just visiting? And they don't really take her seriously because, again, in their head, she's just this girl. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I haven't watched, I'll be honest, I haven't watched Legally Blonde yet. Um, the little quip Hershita said earlier about uncultured folks was awfully aimed towards me. But anyways, even though I haven't watched Legally Blonde, I do know its plotline and I am well aware of how I think refreshing of a character Elle is because she's truly such an ex- incredible example that femininity and intelligence can coexist. You know, you can like, you can be fashionable, you can be bubbly, you can have a very bustling social life, but you can also go to Harvard Law School and pursue a law degree. Like that is something young girls are capable of and can coexist with their love for pink or their love for clothes. And um, I just really love how Elle is that example because oftentimes with the media, you don't really see that played out. And instead, you get the quote-unquote bimbo stereotype. Mm-hmm. And we're talking a lot about media because media does have an impact on how uh, we see other people and how um, we value other people. And as Kasha was talking about, the bimbo character are portrayed as airheads that have nothing else to offer than their beauty. And um, for a lot of them, not only is their femininity and their value not seen as um, something that can coexist, it's actually seen, it's not even an option for them. It's not like you can either be smart and um, be boring, or you can be feminine and then be like be stupid be a bimbo yes yeah. a lot of women especially i think earlier in media and earlier in hollywood are pigeonholed into this this like role of um like the blonde bombshell or like the dumb blonde yeah and i think you know it's really interesting because in my notes here i see something the word bimbo at first was actually just an int- Italian-American slang term to call boys and meant something along the lines of fellow or young child and was just normally used to refer to brutish or unintelligent men. But eventually, in the 1920s, this word began to evolve into something to really just criticize women at its core and um, criticize women who are physically attractive but essentially lack intelligence or depth. And like Hershita said, it's also evolved into this blonde bombshell trope. And, you know, when you say blonde bombshell, immediately, I'm sure the first person you're thinking of is Marilyn Monroe. And um, in this era, the popularity of this term and this one-dimensional blonde bombshell caricature type really just took over Hollywood. And movies with Marilyn Monroe, who was really just the forefront forerunner of this trope um, often embodied this character and the complexities and challenges that came with it. The term bimbo was often associated in this time with women that embrace their femininity or displayed overtly sexual characteristics and that perpetuated a stereotype that outward appearances are correlated with some sort of intellectual deficiency, so to say. And as we talked about earlier, Marilyn Monroe was usually typecasted into the into the quintessential bomb bombshell. And despite the oldest success that she achieved in her career as an actor, she faced persistent stereotyping and, obje- and objectification. 
and her public image was characterized by her beauty, her playful persona, and really contributed to the what people think of as bimbal. And despite all of her undeniable talent and intelligence, she was reduced into this narrow perception of a ditzy, superficial woman just because of her role in the films. But in reality, she was this shrewd and intelligent, and she even created her own production company. Right. Um, I think it's really interesting that, you know, obviously there's no denying that Marilyn Monroe was known for her look, so it's not going to be surprising if, even now, as an actress, she will be known for her looks, and that's one of her most, um, I guess, biggest traits to her persona. However, it's just really interesting how a lot of her legacy and a lot of what she, a lot of the mark she has left on the film industry has really just been boiled down to, oh, pretty woman makes uh, interesting films, you know? And like Harshita said, creating her own production company, I did not know that. I had no idea she created her own production company. However, I know um, that she starred in movies like Gentlemen Prefer blondes is that the name of the movie mm-hmm. uh, yeah okay mm-hmm. gentlemen prefer blondes and you know there's that very famous statue of her with her skirt up in the air and um it's just it's really unfortunate to see because obviously marilyn monroe is a beautiful woman and i'm not trying to deprive her of that i i think it's okay to appreciate this beauty of hers however it's really interesting because even though she is so intelligent because she is so beautiful, this intelligence of hers was often overlooked and overseen and was just pretty much ignored to the point where a lot of people grow up thinking that she is just as ditzy as the character she played. It's really interesting because the impact of the term bimbo just kind of, it shows, it really showcases that it extends beyond mere language or just old movies too, because it contributes to the systemic undervaluation of women's skills, interests, and contributions like it did in the case of Monroe and her legacy. And it limits our ability to appreciate the full spectrum of skills and contributions that people um, really put out into the world simply because of how feminine they are or how much they embrace their womanhood. And as um, Kasha was talking about, these terms like bimbo and all these like types of language and imagery that we use to associate with real life women aren't just characters or like fun little slang terms. And then they actually do have a lot of impact on how women perceive themselves and how other people perceive them. For example, like in the workforce, if a woman needs to be taken um, seriously as or seen as a capable or competent person they feel pressure to conform into a more conventional or muted expression of femininity they're often uh, advised to like tone it down or adopt a more neutral or conservative appearance and demeanor just to conform to their positions and this kind of thing isn't just limited to like their outfits but it's also the way that they act or the way that they express themselves So, for example, expressive or, like, assertive women are often perceived as aggressive or emotional or even labeled with terms like being too much or being overbearing. While, on the other hand, men that are displaying similar traits are often praised for leadership. But then, even if you go the opposite way, 
and you exhibit qualities that are traditionally feminine, um, displaying emotions openly or embracing their personal style, they're often challenged in being taken seriously and might feel compelled to suppress these traits, to conform to a more subdued, conventional uh, modes of behavior, just to not be dismissed and to be taken seriously. Yeah, and I just, to interrupt Hershita here for a minute, I just, I really want to call to attention, like, how often do you guys watch movies? And if there is, there very rarely is most of the time, but if there is a woman in power or a woman in a leadership position, how often do you see this woman portrayed in a positive light as someone who's inspiring and someone the main character is in awe of? Because most of the time, instead, this female character who's in a leadership position is shown as calculative and manipulative or someone who doesn't care about the people around her and just um she often acts a certain way and she doesn't really have i guess what are considered more traditionally feminine qualities and it's okay to not have traditional feminine qualities it's okay to have any of these qualities but it's just interesting to see that like this idea that oh a woman can't be successful unless she abandons what makes her um a woman in society's eyes and i think i i really wanted to call attention to this one pixar um spark shorts called pearl you might have heard of it um it's about this yarn ball that starts her first day at a new job in this like in this setting that doesn't really accept her at first and she's literally just a ball of yarn and um you know she has a very sunny demeanor she's very colorful she is literally the color pink and um everyone around her wears suits and is rather dull and um the whole setting she's thrust into is very monotone and this pixar short though meant for kids symbolizes woman in the workforce because if they're um sunny and if they're a lot more bright and outgoing like pearl is in the beginning they're not accepted right away and in the short itself pearl eventually like lets go of her brightness and her sunny demeanor to adopt one that's um very i guess masculine instead and she's more accepted by the people around her even though she's not happy because it's not her and it's just really interesting because i think a lot of women in the workforce also feel like they have to do the same because there's nothing wrong with emulating like traditionally masculine qualities but you shouldn't feel as though you have to to be better accepted by the peers around you in a professional setting that you should always feel accepted into nonetheless because you deserve to be there in the first place it really is a lose-lose situation as you were talking about Pearl, um, I thought about like every stereotypical Hallmark movie. Yeah. Where the woman starts off as this like CEO or like this like huge businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And then she comes um, to her hometown and she just realizes that, oh, I'm actually really unhappy. And I feel like a lot of women in media are portrayed as villains for putting their careers first. or having different values compared to like what a woman would traditionally be assigned to yeah and to once again bounce off of your point Hershita, i think you know with a lot of these female characters as well 
if a lot of these female characters who aren't in these leadership positions, they don't want, it's a little bit off topic, but they don't want to have children, right? That's a big thing. They don't want to have children because it jeopardizes their career. And that is okay. And I understand that also does emulate a little bit of how a lot of professional women, because that's true. Having a child is a big thing. It does take a lot out of you financially and mentally and physically in just every single way, shape or form. You really have to put your life at a pause to take care of another being. It's a crazy big task. But rather than showing these women as, oh, they don't want to have children, and that's just a thing, um, they turn it into a, oh, she doesn't want to have children because she is just mean and lacks emotion and empathy like that. Like she, because she wants to pursue a career, she doesn't want to have children. And because she doesn't want to have children, she is someone who is calculated and only puts her career first and is way too ambitious and cares about nobody but her own. And that's really damaging because, you know, childbearing and having children is a very traditionally feminine quality for obvious reasons. And I just think it's interesting because, you know, in a modern society, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying don't have children. Right. And but I'm saying in a modern society, you should at least be given the choice to choose whether you have children and not be judged for it. Because if you don't want to have children because of your career, that is okay, And that is understandable. And you shouldn't be painted out as someone who is calculative or mean because you are not fulfilling what is traditionally a quote unquote woman's role. So, yeah. That is. Yeah, I mean, everyone has different values and different goals in life, and it's not really fair or realistic to try to push people into these holes of what they're supposed to be. Exactly. Uh, we could go and talk about so many other movies that really talk about um, women's roles. And um, for example, I'm I really want to talk about Devil Wears Prada and how she's villainized for being so career-driven. But um, to bring it back to um, what we're talking about, I feel like a lot of cultural norms and biases because of media and because of just generally what um, gets talked about and gets uh, instilled in their minds about what people should or shouldn't act like really contribute to the devaluation of feminine intelligence and creates a lot of barriers for women to be recognized for their intellectual cap- capabilities and not be villainized at the same time. Yeah, and I think a lot of this really just also ties back into um, the uh, undervaluation of female-dominated jobs with the devaluation of feminine intelligence. And... Um, to start off with an example, you know, pay disparities, right? A lot of jobs predominantly held by women tend to pay less on average compared to male-dominated fields, even when the skill level or educational requirements are similar. Like, if you look at um, a lot of famous sports leagues, the women's sector of that sport is often less paid, less recognized, less um, just overall appreciated than the male sector like a very famous example would be the WNBA versus the NBA and I think a lot of people they tie it into oh well the WNBA doesn't make that much money so therefore they are paid less like no duh but also why aren't they making that much money 
when they have the same talent, when they have the same capabilities. They play literally the same sport as um, their male counterparts. It's just really interesting because, yes, it's a valid argument to say, hey, okay, they get paid less because their sport is also less appreciated, but also why is their sport less appreciated? And I think people should dive, people should be asking that question to themselves a little bit more. That's so true. I feel like a lot of people, especially with topics like this, they just take it on the surface level and they don't actually bother going into thinking a little bit more critically about why things are the way they are. And um, to continue, um, I feel like a lot of um, female-dominated jobs, not just ones that are paralleled, but also ones that are um, like mostly just female like for example nurses or any caregiving roles like being a home mom or a teacher all of these professions lack a lot of recognition and respect in society despite the immense skill enterprise and the emotional labor that's really involved in having a job like this has to do a lot with how um, these qualities are valued in general in society I feel like a lot of um, traditionally feminine qualities aren't really seen as good or as um, valuable enough or contribute enough to society. Yeah, and um, I'm tying it back to another sports example, despite someone who actually does not watch sports that often. (laughs) But um, I guess for more backstory, I write articles for school. And I recently started writing an article on um, gender in sports and gender discrimination within sports. And when this is relevant, because um, when interviewing a lot of, I think, athletes at my school, a lot of the athletes that I interviewed who are female in female dominated sports have reached out to me and have really conveyed to me that their skills aren't taken um, in high value or in high consideration. And that recurring trend it doesn't seem like a coincidence like it seems like there's a bigger underlying issue at hand like for example cheer cheer is a very difficult sport it's just as difficult as most other sports and um you're prone to a lot of injury whilst pursuing cheerleading but when cheer is like portrayed in media when people think of cheer they just think oh pretty outfits pretty girls pretty dancing, pretty dresses, whatnot, right? And they just kind of undermine how serious of a job it is. And to add on to this, a lot of men who are in these fields as well, they're looked down upon for having a quote-unquote feminine job, like male cheerleaders or um, men in dance sports like ballet and whatnot. And it's really interesting because they're not, they were, they wouldn't be looked down upon if they were doing a masculine sport. Suddenly, because it's a feminine job, they're suddenly seen as someone weak or um, not worthy of respect. And that's something we should look into a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about how a lot of these feminine sports aren't taken seriously or aren't valued the same, I feel like um, a lot of people actually go a little bit beyond that. They don't just say that, oh, like, cheer is um, not as hard. They actually go and say, oh, cheer is cheer is a stupid sport. Or, like, yeah. if you take these courses, then you're stupid. 
Um, yeah. Like, for example, marketing, for example, is a uh, female-dominated industry, but a lot of people view it as less than, for example, like STEM. And obviously, they have different skill sets. So I can't, I don't think it's really fair to say that one or the other is more difficult. It's yeah. just how they're viewed. For sure, yeah. I, it's really interesting, too, because... I'm not trying to say basketball is more difficult than cheer or cheer is more difficult than basketball at all at all yeah but it's interesting because like they're definitely not I'm not trying to pit a sport against each other but I just think it's interesting because you look at LeBron James you look at all these famous basketball players their job is never being questioned they work they work hard every day to be at the level they are and um they are entertainment for other people just like cheerleaders are when they cheer on the sidelines however their jobs are not being questioned their hard work is not being criticized yet when a cheerleader does cheer she is immediately like her entire talents her entire capabilities her entire hard work and effort put into the job that she is in is suddenly boiled down to oh pretty woman wears pretty makeup and pretty outfit and does pretty choreography like that it's cheer is much more than just putting on lipstick and being tossed up into the air like if you looked at how if you looked at an actual show where they go through the training of what cheerleaders have to go through especially professional ones it's crazy because of how difficult their job is yet no one ever seems to acknowledge that yeah um and also talking about this about how different um or very similar careers are looked at depending on who's actually a part of it it brings me to cooking so a lot of a lot of chefs are um a lot of chefs are male and a lot of them are taken a lot more seriously and are seen as more skilled whereas a lot of people when they see a female chef they just immediately assume like oh like that's normal like you yeah. should know how to do that or it would be embarrassing if you know didn't know how to do that as a woman because it's somehow seen as like a default skill yeah but at the same time when uh when women do cooking or when they when they're chefs or when they do any kind of cooking inside the house they're not um seen on the same level yeah it's crazy because a lot of these professional chefs I didn't even realize that intern Horshita mentioned it but now I have opinions that I want to mention because a lot of these professional chefs it's so true a lot of them are male the ones that you see I think the ones that are accomplished the ones that are recognized the ones that are appreciated for their work a lot of them are male but if it's a woman who is cooking it's not she's never applauded for it because that is her duty in life that is her task or whatever and I'm saying this with heavy sarcasm and it's really interesting too because just like not even on a professional level but on a regular level if a woman cooks if a woman knows how to cook okay like it's like life skills yeah, yeah like so she's the same it's like wow he's such a catch no for real and to add on to this parenting because once again for some reason some people even in a modern society they think oh a woman's duty is to be a childbearer, to have kids. And it's really interesting because a lot of women, especially women, STEM women, 
in um, jobs, if they take care of their kids, they okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put forward an example here. There's two people. They both work STEM jobs. They both work um, long hours, and they both work for the same wage. However, the woman, if they both have children, the woman is oftentimes more expected to take care of her child. Whereas the man, if he takes care of his child, if he, um, you know, puts time aside to uh, dedicate more effort and energy into his child and raising them, he is applauded, right? Like he is seen as, wow, what an incredible father. But if a woman does that, that's the bare minimum. She should, yeah, she like- should wake up every morning and go to work. Yeah. But also create lunch boxes for them and she should pick them up from school but also do her nine to five and it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah like a lot of men or like really a lot of fathers are seen as um like babysitters it's kind of ridiculous yeah and i don't know it's just there's because of this there's also been a lot of imposter syndrome within uh, a lot of women in stem because there, historically, there's been a large underrepresentation of women in positions of power or in fields like science and technology, which really just further helps perpetuate this misconception that femininity and high intelligence are incongruent and cannot exist on the same wavelength. And a lot of these women not only have their, not only are they not recognized for their intelligence, but they're often overlooked, and that lack of role models for young girls creates this cycle of oh i cannot be intelligent whilst liking more feminine interests or having a more feminine personality overall yeah and the same thing could go vice versa like if i am like a serious stem woman you know um (laughs) it might perpetuate this idea that they have to in some way or the other abandon their feminine interests or their feminine um like hobbies yeah okay and uh guys we (laughs) that is the end of this episode it's been it's been a very long episode um but yeah we hope you enjoyed it me and hershita i know i know we did i had a lot of opinions i wanted to say and i gotta say all of them (laughs) Thank you so much for listening in and listening to us talk for so long. See you next episode. Yes. See you next episode. And I promise I will watch Legally Blonde by then. Bye. Be soon. Bye. (laughs)